0: Hi, I'm Red Mom Caitlin. And I'm Blue Mom Shelley. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of the Red Mom, Blue Mom podcast. We're two moms with opposing political views who enjoy talking about politics, current events, and social issues. We believe in the importance of dialogue to help us learn from one another, especially when we have differences of opinion. Our goal isn't necessarily to agree, but where we disagree, to keep talking. We hope we inspire you to have
1: real conversations on important issues with people with whom you disagree, and we hope our legislators are
0: doing the same. Let's get started. Hi, listeners. Thanks for joining us today. We are very pleased to welcome a guest on the podcast, Casper Stockham. Casper is a Republican candidate running here in Colorado for the sixth congressional district against Representative Jason Crow, a Democrat who was elected last year in 2018. Now, I know we have many listeners who are not in Colorado, but we hope you'll stick with us today as the issues we're discussing are things that every voter will be considering as they choose their local, state, and national candidates in 2020. Now, when I first invited Casper to join us and explained who we are here at Red Mom, Blue Mom, I told him that Blue Mom Shelley is exactly who he needs to persuade to be successful here in Colorado. Me, I'm a registered Republican, and I'll likely vote a straight party-line ticket in 2020. However, Shelley's vote is highly desired by both Republicans and Democrats. She's an unaffiliated voter, a suburban mom, and she really, really, really doesn't like President Trump. (laughs) Now, regular listeners to our podcast know that Shelley typically leans left. However, she has voted for Republicans in the past. In short, she is the type of voter that Casper really needs, which should make today's discussion very lively. So, Casper, welcome. Can you please introduce yourself for our listeners?
2: Absolutely. So, first of all, thank you for inviting me to the podcast. Um, I think that um, having conversation like this is extremely important. We have to keep talking. Regardless of the fact we agree or disagree on topics, we have to keep talking. So, my name is Casper Stockham. I grew up in Connecticut on the East Coast. Um, I grew up in a very progressive liberal household. By the time I was 17, I hated all things Republican and most things white. Now, I love white people now. <laughs> so make the, get that clear. I <laughs> had no problem with white people. I had no problem with anybody. I'm a Christian conservative, so I love um, humans, all people. So I went into the Air Force, and um, to make a long story short, I became very conservative in the Air Force because I started serving my country. Now, when I went in, I was not conservative, nor did I care about my country. But when you get around other people who are patriotic and, you know, we're saying Pledge of Allegiance and we're fighting and doing all the stuff, you know, that's supporting the country, you become very patriotic. And that caused me to become very conservative. Uh, so fast forward to 2012, I am on lists to get stuff, but I'm, I'm paying attention. So I'm not checked out of society. I'm paying attention, but I'm not interested in politics. And I get an invite from Herman Cain, uh, who's coming into town. This is 2012. He dropped out of the nomination for um, president on the Republican side, but he came in town. He was traveling around the entire nation holding, holding these workshops. And he invited um, some folks to lunch. There was 150 of us in the room. There's probably four black people, in, including Herman King. And he was telling us, Oh my God, this is the most important election. We have to win this election. And I'm like, dude, I am not voting for Romney. Are you kidding me? You know, but Herman Cain tells you, you know, you have to vote. So I, you know, I gave it some thoughts. So I voted for Romney. We all know what happened. Uh, 1030 our time, it was over. It wasn't even close, right? So those things didn't make you bitter. Or they make you better. Well, I decided because I hadn't voted in a long time because I wasn't really impressed with either side. So I'm not a, I'm not a staunch Republican. I'm not a staunch Democrat. I'm a Christian constitutionalist and a conservative. I started looking around for organizations that were doing things. I got involved with some organizations that were, um, involved in the community. And then some crazy guy came up to me and said, you know, you need to run for Congress. And I told him, you need to get out of my face. <laughs> <laughs> I am not running for Congress, dude. I, I don't like politicians. I don't like you, you know, so get out of my face. But anyway, uh, he talked to, to my wife and I and, um, he said some things that made a lot of sense, you know. I said, "Well, all right," because I had been in the community. I I had worked in worked in Five Points for like a, over a year. I drove from Colorado Springs to Five Points in Denver for entire year, every day, working in the community. Mm-hmm. So I said, "You know, this actually wouldn't be that hard to do." And now, now I understand running as Republican in Denver and all the other stuff. But I these people knew me, right? Or <laughs> well, I thought they knew me, and I thought they would be concerned about the community, not the R. They were not concerned about the community. They did not like the fact that I was a registered Republican. So I ran twice in Denver, lost those races, but I currently hold the record for the most votes by any Republican in that in that area. Also, I um, was able to obtain those votes and that support with very little support. Matter of fact, zero support from the Republican party because they have given up on Denver a long time ago. <laughs> it's not even on their radar screen. When they have strategy sessions, Denver doesn't even come up. I didn't get any support from the party. I, it was all grassroots support, Tea Party support, stuff like that. So anyway, so, uh, I live in Aurora. I lived in, I live by Southlands Mall and I've lived there for over 16 years. So uh, I ran in Denver because you don't have to to live in a district to run for federal office. But you do have to live there to serve. So had I won, I'd have to move into Denver. So anyway, so um, when Mike Kaufman lost to Jason Crow, um, that opened up some opportunities potentially in CD6 for a Republican. It's my district. And I know you may be happy with what Jason Crow is doing, but I am not. And hopefully we can get into some of those things while I'm not happy. So I I see an opportunity for someone like myself who can relate across the, the aisle, who can have conversations without, um, without getting into arguments, who can actually make a difference in the inner city community to actually step up, run and win in CD6.
0: That's great. Okay. Well, let's get started with some issues. Shelly and I kind of collaborated before um, sure. our time here tonight, Casper. We each chose three issues okay. basically that we wanted to talk let's about. Let's do it. These are off the cuff for you, but I'm sure these are topics that you've been thinking about. I, and...
2: I thrive on off the cuff. Perfect. Bring it.
0: Okay. Well, then let's get started. <laughs> so topic number one is going to be around th- uh, the federal budget, spending, taxes, that kind of uh, general topic. Uh, Shelly and I both have questions, but I'm going to get us started. Okay. So earlier this month in August, President Trump signed a budget deal, Mm -hmm. Um, although the deal was technically bipartisan. I'm sure you know many Republicans were critical of the deal because it doesn't do anything to reduce spending, uh, federal spending, and in fact returns us to the trillion-dollar deficits that occurred during the Obama administration. Both Shelley and I, many of your constituents, potential constituents in CD6, are very concerned about the growing national debt and what our economic future may look at look like. So, just for the benefit of our listeners, I just wanted to share a couple numbers to kind of tee up my question. Mm-hmm. So, according to the Congressional Budget Office, our federal government spent 4.1 trillion dollars in 2018. Of that, roughly 60% is what they call mandatory spending, attributable <laughs> to social programs, yeah. things like Social Security, yeah. Medicare, yeah. veterans benefits. You know, a lot of good stuff in yeah. there, but it's a lot of money. Right. Um, it's important to understand that mandatory spending means just that. Funding yeah. for those programs are automatically appropriated each year. Mm-hmm. Another 7 or 8% is interest payments on our national debt, putting mm-hmm. us at close to 70% of federal spending is either explicitly mandatory in the case of those social programs or implicitly in the case of interest on our debt, which sure. presumably we have to pay. Put differently, every year when our Congress representatives engage in a budget discussion, they're only focused on about 30% of what the federal government is spending. Yeah. 70% of that spending is essentially on autopilot. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's irresponsible. I think Shelley shares that view and terrible stewardship of our tax dollars. So Absolutely. my question for you, Casper, is are you equally concerned with growing spending at the federal level? And what would you specifically do about it and our growing national debt?
2: Sure. So um, I am appalled by the uh, the debt that our our um, elected officials are putting us into, Republican and Democrat. They've been doing it for a long time. This is nothing new, and Donald Trump didn't start it. This has been going on for a long time. And I would not be signing off on any of these um, budget deals because they are not balancing the budget. If I have to balance my budget at home, then doggone it. D.C. needs to balance the budget as well. And if they can't do that, then we need to hire somebody who can. I'm not one that will just say, well, you know, it's the way it is. You know, it's 70% mandatory. Well, who made it mandatory? Okay, we need to look at all of this. So I personally, what I would do is I'd have a outside organization like Six Sigma organization come into the federal government and do a top to bottom review of everything we're spending money on. And I would almost guarantee you that half or more than half of the money we're spending is not being spent properly. Now, I'm just a single Congressperson. I can't make that happen. But that's what I would want to happen. And until they started doing stuff like that, we're never going to fix our budget problem.
1: Okay. Casper, this is Blue Mom Shelley, and I agree with you um, on balancing the budget mm-hmm. and uh, that the spending in the yeah. federal government is absurd. Sure. You mentioned that in, at certain points in your career you felt like there wasn't anyone conservative enough for you. <laughs> um, you're talking to someone who's conservative enough fiscally mm-hmm. that I also don't think either party represents me on this issue. Right. Um, but I want to drill down a little more about sure. taxes. Sure. Um, I was appalled at President Trump's tax bill, um, which was to so-called lower taxes Mm -hmm. when it actually added maybe a hundred, a couple hundred dollars per year to paychecks of the middle class while creating massive, massive tax breaks for the ultra rich. Specifically in that law was uh, huge breaks for people who make all of their money from investing and do not work. Um, So I thought, this is an insult to middle-class Americans. Um, it also ended up doubling the deficit, which Republicans are supposed to be against doing. And so I, I would actually support a Republican candidate who... Propose significantly lowering taxes for the middle class. In my lifetime, I have never seen a Republican actually serious about significantly lowering taxes. Mm-hmm. It's it's a platform that Republicans get to run on, and I find that they don't actually do it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, by significantly, I mean mm-hmm. you know 10% for the middle class or mm-hmm. more in federal taxes. Yeah. If you're for reducing taxes, please be more specific on on how you would do this for the middle class.
2: Yeah. So, um, some of the things you said I, I would challenge or push back on. I I can't say that they're wrong because I don't have the numbers in front of me, but, um, the tax cuts that came out did lower the tax rate for over 80 plus percent of the people, of the working people. But
1: it lowered it a few hundred dollars a year. Yeah,
2: it lowered it uh, over 1,200 hours for the average family a year. A few hundred hours, you know, <laughs> it's not chump change to people that are um, struggling, you know, from day to day. Now, what it didn't do is didn't make those tax cuts permanent. I would totally agree with that. And it did make the tax cuts for the businesses permanent. I would have made both of those tax cuts permanent. I would agree that Republicans aren't, you know, really uh, lowering taxes for the average person anyway. But guess what? The Democrats are always raising taxes. So (laughs) you can't have one without the other, right? Republicans say they're going to lower it and don't. And the Democrats say they're going to raise it, and they do.
1: Right, but if you're for balancing the budget, then how do we um, how do we justify these massive breaks that he gave to yeah. the ultra wealthy and that yeah. is you know well, companies that are well those breaks excluded people who are working.
2: Well, I've never i have never going to work for a poor person. Poor people don't create jobs. Wealthy people create jobs, and they also have yachts, and they also go on expensive vacations and travel around the world. But they also have businesses that hire people. Small businesses in our country are the backbone of business. These are the mom and pop businesses that hire five to 10 people. You know, they they are on a very slim um, margin on their profit. So when you start to um, uh, um, affect those profits with regulations and stuff, that a lot of times the Democrats put in those regulations to hurt small business. So, so we have to be careful of all of these things.
1: I agree with you to prioritize small businesses, but Trump's tax cut uh, did not help yeah, small businesses. W- it helped mega. I mega
2: disagree because I'm an HR consultant as well, um, with all the other stuff that I do, and I talk to small businesses all the time. And again, those tax cuts. Um, did help businesses, not every business and not every situation, because, um, if you want to help all businesses, my tax cut would be a flat tax, 10% done, no write-offs, no, no special loopholes up and down, just 10%. Everybody pays 10%. Now, if you, um, have a, Income, a household income of 20,000, 30,000 or less, you pay zero taxes. Everybody else pays 10% and we're done. But they'll never do that, Shelly. They'll never do it because there are too many special interests going on. Did you propose it? Yeah, I propose it. It's not going to go anywhere because again, they're never going to do it. There is huge money in the tax system. We're not, you know, we're not a part of that. Okay. But that's not a Democrat or Republican thing. That's the way it is. If you know how to get, if you know how to take advantage of the tax codes and stuff, you win. If you don't know the tax codes, you lose. I was talking to this person just the other day, and she was complaining about the Trump's tax, the Trump tax cuts. This lady is in business. She's a she um her and her husband own a restaurant, and I said, well, you need to actually fire your CPA. Because if they can't get you <laughs> lower taxes with the new tax uh, um, um, program that Trump and uh, Republicans put in, then you need a new CPA. Because my CPA saved me money. I, I'm a small business owner as well, okay? I don't, I don't have any employees. I'm just a small business with no employees, and I save money.
1: I've heard multiple conservative CPAs say this is the worst tax law that's ever passed in our lifetimes.
2: Okay, well, so. you know, we'll have to agree to disagree on that because I have not heard that.
1: Um, thank you, Casper. That's uh, I appreciate the um, the flat tax
0: idea. I mm-hmm. think that's a, a, a good specific answer to our question. Mm-hmm. Shelly, I just wanted to chime in on a couple things. And Casper, just so you know, Shelley and I have had this kind of tax conversation before. We've done a full episode on it uh, a couple months ago, so it's certainly a recurring topic. Uh, I just wanted to touch on two things before maybe we move on to our next topic. The first is, and I think Shelley, you just referenced this a few times, this concept of taxing more on the quote unquote ultra wealthy yeah my first question is always how do we define that and shelly i'm not looking yeah. for you to answer yeah. that well right. and if you look at irs mm-hmm. data and this is a number that i always think is interesting it was surprising to me when mm-hmm. i learned it um irs data if we look at 2016 which sure. i think was the latest available sure. the top 10 percent of income earners in the u.s yeah. what do you what do you think that salary top 10
2: i'd say half a million a year
0: what's your guess shelly Mm, Two hundred thousand, just under hundred forty thousand. Wow! So think about a family, mm-hmm. right, where you've got maybe a, a, a mm. one person in the family is a teacher, a tenured teacher making you know pretty good money. We could talk mm-hmm. about teacher salaries separately. Mm-hmm. Other person's maybe a small business owner. They are yeah. probably well over that combined filing of 140,000, right. that's top 10%, right? So yeah. to your point, I, I, ultra don't feel, wealthy, yeah, I
2: don't feel like I'm in the top 10 No,
0: and you've got, you've got candidates like Bill <laughs> yeah. de Blasio, right? Yeah. His big thing at the most recent Democratic debates was, what was he saying? Tax the hell out of wealthy people. Yeah, yeah. No one thought to ask him, how do you define wealthy people? How do you find people? it? Yeah, yeah. But again, let's say we yeah. use a threshold of maybe half a million dollars. Yeah. That's a lot of small business owners in that bucket. I'm yeah. not saying they're not doing well, but is that the group that we want to quote tax the hell out of? Right. I don't think so. Yeah.
1: The only correction I'd make there is that Trump's Tax Cuts and Jobs Act uh, Mm -hmm. did not affect the small businesses that you two are just referring to. It affected very large, multi-million dollar income businesses that specifically make money not from working, but from investments. Okay, let me ask our next question, Casper. This has to do with voting rights. I think voting rights is one of the more important issues right now because there are various state legislatures who have implemented new rules and restrictions Mm -hmm. impacting things like voter registration limits, reducing registration drives, requiring a photo ID to vote, uh, certain kinds of photo ID, making it more difficult to register once you've moved, Mm -hmm. um, purging election rolls of voters who missed a recent election Mm -hmm. and for example florida florida voters passed a measure giving ex-cons the right to vote but the legislature then passed a law restricting it to uh those who have paid back their restitution expenses which means most of them can't register so there's a lot of laws with respect to um people who have been incarcerated and voting Mm -hmm. now the original voting rights act of 1965 required Mm -hmm. that states obtain federal approval prior to implementing laws like these but uh, 2013 Supreme Court decision eviscerated the uh, Voting Rights Act uh, requirement as such. And so, following that, in some states, for example, North Carolina, Mm -hmm. you may have heard passed a series of voting restrictions that uh, a federal court found specifically targeted African Americans. Several other states have passed these same types of voting restrictions Arkansas, Missouri, North Dakota, Indiana, Georgia, Ohio, Alabama, Kansas, Mississippi um, South Carolina, Texas, Wisconsin. I don't think we, I haven't heard that this has been a, a serious issue in Colorado, mm-hmm. but it's a, it's a serious federal issue, um, because these laws have particularly affected African American and Hispanic voters. And I think it's a targeted effort on behalf of Republican legislatures to uh, reduce the amount of minority voters mm-hmm. who are likely sure. to vote because a lot of them do vote Democrat. Um, So as a Republican, what is your perspective on protecting the rights of all Americans to vote? And specifically, would you support restoring the Voting Rights Act or some other similar legislation?
2: Okay, I would fight for any legislation that was targeting anybody. I don't care if you're black, white, green, blue. Gay, straight, whatever, if uh, stopping somebody from voting. Um, I personally don't need any additional voting rights acts. I'm black, but I am just as much an American as anybody else that was born here. I was born here. So I don't need a, a special right to give me the right to vote. I have the right to vote. I had the same rights as you, Shelly. Same rights. They can't take it away. What you're saying is you're putting black people in a category to where they need, they need to be taken care of and so forth. And they don't. They're just as free. Hold on. They're just as free. Just as, as, um, um, uh, now, what they don't have a lot of access to are to funding and things like that. But I'm just as free to walk up and down the street and vote when I need to vote. And if somebody stopped me, i pull out my camera. Everybody goes around the camera. I'd film it and then I'd be on channels. News tonight.
1: Well, these laws that I'm speaking of may not on their face specifically target minority voters, Mm -hmm. but they have the end result of preventing, you know, twice as many minority voters from voting as minority voters. Uh, It's not that I'm suggesting that any uh, minority should have any special (laughs) right to vote. I'm suggesting they should have the same rights I have. So, for example, I do. So tell me,
2: how do I not have the same right as you to vote? Well,
1: the restrictions I'm speaking of are voter registration restrictions. When you've moved or if you've missed voting, Okay,
2: so only black people move, election. and and and.
1: Well, there's some. Everybody studies. moves, right? We'll, we'll post an article on Red Mom <laughs> Blue Mom. There's some studies that show that these particular registration and voter ID laws, these particular registration. So black people
2: can't get IDs.
1: These particular registration laws affect minority voters twice as much as how
2: how for
1: example requiring an id that people who uh, live in public housing maybe don't have there are significant amount of minority voters everybody don't have a
2: in order to go to the liquor store to buy liquor you have to have an id you have to have an id to buy cigarettes
1: i'm talking about laws that tell you that only certain kinds of ids work so, so someone might have a public housing ID, but they maybe don't have a driver's license. No. And so they're sure. being well, turned okay. away at the polls, if, for if that. E-
2: okay. If that exists, I would fight that. Okay. But it, those if exi-
1: I... Those, those are the type of laws I'm What well, all not well, But they the don't
2: country. exist here in Colorado. But I'm saying once I get to Congress, and I hope I get your vote to get to Congress, I would fight any law that said that if somebody had an ID card, now, they have, had to have a... Sp- specific ID to vote and, and the black people in the in the inner city couldn't get that ID, then I would be fighting that tooth and nail. Well, but that's,
1: uh, what's, that's one of the examples. Okay, well, of what if what it's
2: happened, to. then I'd fight it. I'd be right, standing right alongside whoever else is fighting it and I don't care what's you know, what letter's behind their name? If they're Democrat, Republican, I don't care. I know in Colorado it's not the case. But in other states, I don't know what's going on in other states. But once I get to the federal government, if there's some some senator or congressperson that brings it up and says, I need it," I need some sponsors on this bill because they're not allowing blacks who live in the inner city and only have an IBT ID to vote.
1: Well, that's what the Voting Rights Act did. It's not that it gave special rights. What it did is it, it made a requirement that the federal government has to approve these types of restrictions restrictions because yeah. you know I, prior to 1965 states were passing you know the poll tax or the literacy test hmm. on their face yeah. they're not discriminatory but in practice they yeah. are
2: I would I would fight any of those issues and
1: So would you support reinstating the Voting Rights Act?
2: I'd have to look at the language of it because the devil's in the details but I'm telling you overall I would support any effort to make sure no one is denied the right to vote if they're American citizen they have the right to vote even um, ex cons have the right to vote. After they serve their time and they're out and free or whatever, they not and by the way, Trump put in a second chance act that is doing that. I don't know if you saw that or not, but he's doing that across the nation. Thousands of people are being freed from prison, black and Hispanic people being free from prison by Trump. Obama freed hundreds Trump is freeing thousands.
0: It's Caitlin Shelley can I ask you because you you in your intro or kickoff question there you listed off a number of things including the voter ID which we were just ch- chatting about which of those in your mind is kind of most egregious or most concerning as you think about your concerns around potential voter discrimination because I think you said you believe that Republicans are purposely doing this they're purposely targeting minorities. Turning. Obviously, from Casper's response, I think he would, no, um, challenge that uh, seriously. Yeah. Which of these do you think are, are most impactful? Which one are you most concerned about? Well, these are on their face a lot of little
1: laws Mm -hmm. um election day should be a national holiday in the last election i saw you know lines going around the block in certain african-american communities in in north yeah but shelly they don't
2: want people to vote do do you understand this i'm not talking about republicans i'm talking about the whole system the less the less of us that are voting the better for them
1: well that's that's what i think people in the republican party may be it's
2: not just republican see that's
1: well all of these laws that different. I'm referring to were passed by Republican legislatures in the states. Okay. So and so so things like Caitlin to answer your question, voter ID laws having same day registration uh, available, basically making it easier to register and vote, whether you've moved, regardless of where you live, regardless of what kind of, kind of ID you carry, um, it should be easier to vote, not harder. And so, when states pass these little laws hmm. that sound innocuous, <laughs> and then they result yeah. in double the amount of minority voters being affected by them, that's the problem, in my view. So, yeah. so the, what the Voting Rights Act did is it made you know federal the federal government have to approve these little laws. That is no longer taking place. Yeah, and I would
0: add there was some legislation. In fact, it was the first bill uh, proposed by the Democratic House earlier this year, H.R. 1. I don't think any of us have the language in front of us, so, so no issues there. Mm. But Shelly, as you talk about trying to maybe re-engage the federal government and what their role is in making determination around voter laws, There is some language in that HR one, which I think has passed the House but not passed the Senate. Hopefully, it won't get passed the Senate. Hopefully, it won't get
2: signed by President.
0: HR one is a beast. It's like 800 pages. It's horrible. It's terrible in a lot of ways. But one of the things that it does is it uh, completely eliminates the right of states to implement things like voter ID. Um, which, in my view, I think voting is a right, but mm-hmm. it's also a privilege, and mm-hmm. I think um, maintaining, mm-hmm. you know, lawful, accurate voting and, and election rules and yeah. all of that is one of the most important things mm-hmm. that is the role of government. Mm-hmm. And so, having the federal government come in and tell a state like Colorado or any other state, "Hey, sorry, you can't require an ID for, to vote," yeah. that's just as concerning to me, I think, as some of the issues that maybe you're thinking about, Shelly. Yeah. yeah, and I, I think we've got a history in this country of, of, of state. <laughs> States restricting voters. Yeah, Sorry.
1: we also
2: have a history of the federal government doing more than what they're supposed to be doing. I
1: agree with you there, but on <laughs> voting, um, we have a, a strong history of states uh, discriminating and. Okay, and,
2: but not uh, Colorado. And I'm running voting. in Colorado, sixth congressional district, by the way, running against Jason Crow.
0: Understood. <laughs> All right, let's move on to our next topic, uh, which is illegal immigration.
2: Oh, all right. This
0: is a big one. Casper, as you know, President Trump and many in his administration are under regular fire by Democrats Mm -hmm. about the topic of illegal immigration. And earlier this summer, your opponent, Jason Crow was very vocal regarding concerns about conditions within ICE detention centers, including the one that's here in our district in Aurora, Colorado. And Crow has generally been critical of Trump kind of aligning his talking points and position with his Democrat colleagues. I'm interested to know from you, Casper, if President Trump has taken any action in terms of illegal immigration policy so far in his term that you disagree with.
2: I don't know about the day to day because I'm not I'm I'm not falling that close. But the overall um, things that he's trying to do, I think, have been phenomenal. And I'll tell you why, because um, everything that he's talking about doing right now are things that Barack Obama, Joe Biden, Hillary Clinton, um, uh, Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer all said on video by the way ten years ago eight years ago, six years ago they all said what he is doing okay so what he's what he's doing is not anything different. We have a crisis at the border but it's not the crisis that that people are talking about you talk about separating children from the border well Trump's Trump is not even doing that. Barack Obama did it. The cages were built under the Obama administration, not the Trump administration. But then there was so much backlash that he stopped doing it. So now just two days ago, he said, you know what? We're going to keep the families together. And they, Oh my God, you can't do that to the children. What? I thought you wanted, keep, I thought you want the children to be with the, with the parents, right? So there's about 30% of those children are not the children of the people that they're with. So we need more time to figure out what's going on. So we just keep all right. It's a family unit. Great. You guys go on over here. You're going to get three square meals a day. You're going to be in a very comfortable posi- uh, uh, location. You're going to get fun time, video games, which by the way they probably didn't have where they you know where they were coming from. They're going to get all the comforts of the U.S. without being let loose into the interior. While we figure out what's going on. That is the most humane way to handle that particular situation. This whole immigration issue is such a wedge issue. And both sides are taking advantage of it for fundraising. Jason Crow is fundraising off of the children at the border. Republicans also fundraise to build a wall, right? So everybody's making money from the immigration problem. And nobody's solving it, by the way. The solution is very simple. We need to fix our legal immigration system to improve it. Because right now it takes 10, 20 years or whatever, and tens of thousands of dollars to become a legal citizen in the United States. It shouldn't cost that much. It shouldn't be as, as um, it should be tough, but not tough to where somebody couldn't do it legally. And we need to have secure borders, wall, fence, whatever. And they all said 10 years ago they wanted a fence. They wanted border security. Now they don't because Trump wants it. We should have a a secure border. And then we should make everybody that's here illegally, we should should say, look, if you want to stay, here's what you need to do. You need to go and get in line behind everybody else that did it legally. And you need to get a sponsor. Find a sponsor. A person that's already here that's a U.S. citizen or a company or somebody that's going to take care of you while you're here. If you have that, you're good. No problem. If you don't have that, then you're going to need to go home.
1: You realize there's no, besides uh, certain lottery visas, almost no legal way to immigrate at this point. That's not true. Other than certain no, uh, high-level business visas. That's
2: not true at all. I think now, true. No, no. That's not true. It's tough. but And it needs to be improved. That's what I'm saying. The legal well, there's system... there's no
1: it, line to get in. So if you're,
2: there example, is a, from Mexico... Shirley, there is a line. I know no plenty line. of of uh, Hispanic people and people from Africa, uh, African immigrants, they are in line right now.
1: Which type of immigration do you think they're applying for?
2: To become a naturalized citizen of the United
1: States. Based on what?
2: Based on what? Based... there's
1: no there's no basis unless you're getting married or you've won the lotto, the lottery green card from certain countries, which is only available in certain countries and in very small amounts. And so, all the
2: white countries, not the black countries, right?
1: No, I think it's mixed, but there's okay. none, none. None go to Mexico, for example. Okay. This idea that there is. Caitlin and I have talked about this before. She was also surprised to learn that there's. No, virtually no legal way to immigrate to the United States right now. So this idea that they should have stood in line and they didn't, I think, is inaccurate. So, yeah, I think that's a common misconception amongst conservatives. There's no line. I'd have to
2: see that. No one's dodging. I I don't.
1: um,
2: I'm not saying what you're saying is not true. I just... I'd have to see
1: that. Yeah, that's an important uh, thing that uh, I would hope that that all of our legislatures would research because that's mm-hmm. a common misconception. You, are you saying that you don't disagree with the family separation that was taking place under President Trump in the last couple of years at the border?
2: Well, first of all, Obama did way more family separations and nobody had any problem
1: okay. with him separating. disagree separ- with it, though?
2: Let me finish because he did a lot more, and I guarantee you not one Democrat— had any problem with Obama separating children at the border. Trump came in and started doing the same policy that Obama did and it was a huge issue. So do you I think had it's pro- okay
1: or not because I don't care who does it but okay. I think I think it's so a terrible thing to do.
2: I think I think sex trafficking is also terrible. I think um, raping women and children at the border is terrible. And I think that drug cartels are using children at the border right now for those things.
1: Well, I understand so, those are the topics.
2: So how do we know who's who, Shelley, when they come? They don't come across with papers. They're not coming across with documentation, IDs, or nothing. They say, I'm Julia, I'm Juan, okay, and I'm his son. He's my son. He's my, she's my daughter. How do we know who's who?
0: So ACLU came out with a report just earlier in August. So there were about 2,600 immigrant mm-hmm. children mm-hmm. separated from their parents or caregivers. Mm-hmm. Out of that, the only ones that are left, and that was through October of last year, they said mm-hmm. that there's now been another maybe three to 400. Um, but out of that initial 2,600, there are only hundred, uh, excuse me, 120 children left. 50 are with parents who were removed from the U.S. by the government and 70 whose parents are still in the U.S. So you yeah. had 2,600 roughly. Mm-hmm. The majority of them have been processed, and there are now Mm -hmm. currently, according to the ACLU, certainly not a conservative news source, uh, 120 children. That was as of October. So, so my question is:
2: um, Am I okay with not
1: the Mm -hmm. not the few examples of potential Mm -hmm. fraud that you're talking about? Mm -hmm. Is it okay that we're that we have torn apart if it's that many uh, children from their parents? For extended amounts of time, we're talking pulling a three-year-old away from her parent for eight months, nine months. Well, the way
2: you explain it, it's so horrible to pull somebody out of the arm, the screaming child out of the arms of the mother, and that's not what's happening. We're trying to figure out who's who. Now, the system is broken, has been broken for a long time. Trump didn't break it. The laws, Shelley, have been wrote by Congress.
1: I'm just asking you if you think it's wrong to pull these kids away from their parents for an extended period. What is
2: wrong is us not to know what's going on. If you want to be humane, we have to figure out what's going on. Okay, now, some of them are being separated from their parents, Shelley, but some of them are being separated from, from drug trafficking cartels. Is that okay to leave them with the drug cartel?
1: I don't think there's any actual evidence of that. There is
2: tons of evidence, 30% of the kids... That are currently being brought across the border, 30% are being brought across by drug trafficking cartels, 30%. And we don't know who's who because they're not coming across with papers.
0: Well, and this is Caitlin. The piece that I struggle with is that I think, of course, it's a complex issue. Yeah. Um, I think data is kind of hard to come by yeah, to get accurate very numbers, hard to come but by. there is definitely a group of what they call UACs, unaccompanied mm-hmm. uh, alien children or illegal yeah. children. Then you yeah. have these children that are coming across with adults. They may or may not be their parents. Right but for me i get upset as a conservative especially when the the finger pointing is at trump and his administration around yeah. you know the us government is ripping children from their yeah. parents first of all i don't think that that's a fair description it's and not. second of all Let's let's take Shelley at her word that it is very difficult or nearly impossible to immigrate to the US legally. Let's mm-hmm. just take that as fact. Yeah. That does not give you the right to then cross not. the border illegally. So mm. this puts the US in a very difficult position. This this puts our brave men and women in the border patrol and in customs enforcement and in government at all levels in a very difficult position where you're trying to humanely manage a yeah. crisis. Mm-hmm. But you have to follow if law I, and order. So I, 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 I yeah. feel badly for kids that are separated from their parents. If in fact those adults are their parents, mm-hmm. of course. Of course I have sympathy there. But it doesn't mean that we just catch and release. It doesn't mean that we let them free. I don't know what the That's not solution humane. is That's not other than either. fixing the laws, which That's not humane to your either. point is Congress's role. And they have, huh? they have not done that for Congress years. Congress
2: writes the law and the, and Congress's laws are, are what Trump is using to operate under. And he's trying to figure out how to do it humanely under the laws that are currently there. And the laws are jacked up. They were put into place, by the way, by Clinton. And carried forth into the Bush and carried forward into Obama.
1: In terms of law and order, I'm wondering if you would support this type of procedure to address the problem. Instead mm-hmm. of you know, punishing families and, and uh, vilifying immigrants, what about just enforcing the employment, the immigration laws E-verifying? against employers? Yes, e- apparently even more than E-Verify. I'd, because I'd
2: be 100% supportive of that.
1: So why not focus on that? Why isn't our you know? Good question. I'm not in office. Money and, uh, money why and is a crow in that face? Because <laughs> obviously people come because okay. they know they can get a job here. It's employers yeah. who are, yeah. are hiring people. So so, so you're like asking
2: the wrong you, person, If Shelly, Ask crow. Ask Jason Crow, who's in Congress and he's protesting the ICE detention center. He's wasting your money and my money by doing that instead of doing like you say, let's go after what we can solve, like e-verify for the businesses to make it less attractive for people to risk their lives and their families lives running across the border.
1: Exactly. Well, the Republicans aren't doing that either. I think I Nobody's think that doing that, it. That's, that's what I, that's
2: I my point. Nobody's doing it including the guy you voted for.
0: Yeah, I think there is blame to be <clears throat> placed on both sides of the aisle, Democrat and Republican in Congress. This has been a decades-long problem in the making exacerbated by, I think, a variety of factors. Um, asylum claims, mm-hmm. I read a report, we talked about asylum as kind of one of the legal ways to get into the US, although I think many folks are abusing that, because like you said, Shelley, it's very narrowly defined mm-hmm. in terms of what constitutes or qualifies rather for asylum. Yeah. But there was a report I read that said typically during the 2000s, there were about 40 or 50,000 applications for asylum each year. In mm-hmm. 2017, there were 260. Thousand mm-hmm. applications so yeah. that that asylum path that many are taking yeah. um is is uh obviously becoming known among these communities people are trying to get they are being more, but they're being taught but they're getting refused they're they don't being meet taught the criteria
2: they're being taught and there have been some sitting congress people who have gone down to mexico and spent money to teach them how to come to the u.s you know and then they say look just when you get to the border, so they used to run from the border patrol. They used to try to sneak in in the middle of the night and whatever. Now they do it in the middle of the day, and they look for border patrol because they show up and say asylum, asylum, boom, and then now they're into the asylum it system. It
0: triggers a whole it process. It triggers a whole them,
2: process, yeah. right? So that's all broken. The way that the whole situation is broken, but it's not going to be fixed by Jason Crow or the Democrats or the Republicans because they're making money.
0: Yeah, and the last thing, this is Caitlin, the last thing I would say, I think one of the reasons why I get frustrated, I guess, to put mm-hmm. it nicely with this yeah. whole family separation discussion, yeah. is that, again, let's say it's 2,000 or 2,600 kids that have been impacted. Obviously, as we just said, not all of those kids are still in that situation, think- thankfully. Um, there are 2.5 million homeless children in the U.S., and there is so much attention and focus on these uh, illegal immigrant children. And again, I have sympathy for them. I want them to be treated humanely. Of course, I don't want them, you know, quote unquote, ripped out of the arms of their parents. But the reality is, and Shelley, you and I've talked about this before on other issues as well, veterans and things like that. We have a lot of problems in our own country. So I wish there was as much focus on homeless children, on veterans issues, things like that, as there were on, you know, 2,500 mean- immigrant children. And I, I care about their well-being. But There are bigger problems I think that we face as a country that I think deserve equal focus.
1: Let me ask you uh, another question that mm-hmm. is comes from some of your priorities listed okay. on your website. Mm-hmm. Um, education is one of them. It's yes. one of, you, you mentioned once it's, you have four E's, including yes. economy. Education is one of them. Mm-hmm. I agree with you that education is a priority. Specifically, I think that we ought to have more and more Americans getting a college education, yet with tuition prices skyrocketing, as they mm-hmm. have, it mm-hmm. seems that fewer poor Americans Uh, or even middle-class Americans are able to go, would you support any efforts to provide some sort of reduced cost or free college uh, for those who want to go to college but can't afford it?
2: There's a lot of moving pieces to that. Um, I believe the reason why college is so expensive right now is because of government. When, When the government took over the student loan industry, the prices went up. Student loans were not as expensive as they are right now because the government is running that system. So what we should be doing is making sure that student is following their purpose and their passion. It may not be going to college. It may be a trade, but we need to find out. We need to, we need to start. When I was in school, um, in high school, and you ladies are too young for this, but when I was in high school, we had print shop, machine shop, wood shop, auto shop, all these different shops. And you got a chance to touch and feel and make stuff and find out if that's what you wanted to do. Right? Well, it's
1: not, but it's not the governments, right, that are driving up the, the um, cost of tuition. I'm not talking about loans right now. I'm talking about both private and state supported schools and private schools around the country are, you know, have tuition at a, at a price that is uh, not affordable to more and more people. I agree.
2: Um, the answer is not giving them, giving everybody free, um, college because college is not, necessarily a good destination. You can go to college and spend four years in college and then be homeless in the street because what you went to school so for. So I'm
1: talking about whether it's vocational, university, if education beyond high school that I think everyone should have the opportunity to have.
2: I think if, you, if that's what your passion and purpose is, then I agree. So I can tell you right now, if, if I run across a student that wants to go to college or go into the trades, I can help them personally right now. I'm not even a congressperson. I can help them do that right now. There there are programs and organizations and all scholarships and all kinds of things that are available to students. Matter of fact, I believe there's more of those things available than our kids that actually want to go to college. So uh, I
1: <clears throat> strongly disagree with you. There are tons of people right here in our district who can't afford CU, can't afford CSU, can't afford money. Mm. and really want to go and have merit and there are not enough scholarships to send them
2: no not to those institutions no because they're run by people you support and the process too high and and the government's involved where would you we got, send them to school they can go to um, CC, um cca or ccd they can go to some of the community colleges and get just as good of an education without the endowment.
1: degree they can't get a bachelor's or a master's degree, so, okay, they, so they can only so, ha, they can only use that that. Degree so they start to out to a certain point in their yeah,
2: life. Yeah, so they start out there, and then they work. So when I was younger, and maybe when you ladies were younger and stuff, I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up. So just sending somebody off to college is not setting them up for success. It could be setting them up for failure. We don't want to just automatically make that um, something that they do. We want to be able to make sure that's the path they need to be on.
1: But, but I'm referring to people who really want to go. And I think okay. that it's, a tra- it's a tragedy. Bring them
2: to me. Tell them to call me. My number's on and the you're card. you're going to send them to school. I'll, I'll make sure they get in okay, school.
1: Okay, listeners, I hope you make sure you're sending your college-age kids over to Casper's office. He can, I,
2: I can help them out. He
0: can help them with tuition. Yeah. So this is Caitlin, and our, our listeners know I, I like the um, data points and facts on some of these things. So I just wanted to share a couple things. Mm-hmm. Um, Shelly, you had mentioned that you think it's important, I'm paraphrasing you, that we should send even more kids to college. Um, in fact, we've had historically high enrollment in college, according mm-hmm. to an organization called the National Center for Education. Education statistics, I don't know if they're partisan or not. Um, They report that we've had a record high level of what they call, quote, recent high school completers enrolling in college, um, almost 70%, highest (laughs) it's ever been, Um, as well as a record high level of students from low income uh, households, just Mm -hmm. a little bit less at about 67%. And that's looking at some averages. So I think you do have a lot of students that are making it into college. But Casper, I think your point just now about some kids going to college, and certainly not everybody, but I, I agree that there are students that come out of high school. There's an expectation either from their community or their family or what have you um, that they go right into a four-year college. They're not always successful. And, Shelly, we've talked about this before, the data – the data proves that. Um, according to New- the New York Times, an article a couple of years ago, 30% of students, only 30% graduate in four years. And 40% of kids at a traditional four-year school, they mm-hmm. don't graduate even after six years. And that's full-time students. Yeah. So yeah. I think there's a balance here of making it affordable, making it accessible for kids that really want to do it, that know what they want to do. They have the merit, the grades to do it. But a lot of kids don't need that they're not ready for four-year college come out of of high school and so how do you balance that yeah
2: i want to put a shameless plug in for an organization that i'm very familiar with called master's apprentice master's apprentice um, helps under underserved youth um, troubled youth in the inner city get connected with the trades they have an eight-week course And they take these youth through this course. Some of these youth are gang members and homeless kids and uh, foster kids, all this stuff, right? Age is about 16 to about 28. Take them through this eight-week course. Before the eight weeks is done, right around the seventh week, they have three to four job offers, not interviews, The way they got to put on a suit and tie offers. They sit there with the little cards and they say, hmm, I don't know. Maybe this one. Well, this has good benefits. Right. Three to four job offers. Starting out minimum $25 an hour. Minimum. Most of them get $35 an hour and a truck and benefits. Right. So my point is, is that we need more organizations like that to to reach out to the youth to find out what you want to do. I would have loved to have an organization be around in the school in a counseling area. You know, when I'm talking to the counselor and say, "Look, Casper, what do you want to do? What is your passion? What's your purpose?" Now, I didn't know at 17. My passion and purpose at 17 was girls. That's it. that was it. That's all I did. <laughs> right? But my point is, is that most kids are like that. They don't know. They have no idea. So sending them off and, and making sure that they get free college and putting them in a situation that where they're probably going to fail is not the right thing to do now if they want to go to college i want them to be able to go to college whether they have the money or not i want them to have that so i believe that there are resources and and if there aren't then we need to have more resources but not a blanket free college for everybody because that doesn't automatically put you in a position for success all it does is potentially put you in the same situation we're at high schools right now so high school education is free right and in Denver and in, in Aurora in the um, in the public school system, the graduation rate is low. Matter of fact, it's embarrassingly low. And that's free. So what do you think the rate's going to be when we have free college? It's going to be like that or worse.
1: Well, again, I'm talking about people who I'm talking about people who really want to go to college. Okay, yes. when well, they really want to go to
2: college, have them the come. Have them come if they really want to go.
0: Yeah, this is Caitlin. I agree with the idea of having some skin in the game. I think the other element of education and, um, you know, the, the cost and accessibility on all those different things, I think there needs to be more responsibility on both sides. And I mean that from a student perspective. I think if you're coming out of a high school here in the Denver metro area, you've got your heart set on CU Boulder, but you don't know what you want to do. And you end up graduating four years from now in a, with a degree in gender studies. I don't even know if Boulder offers that. It seems like something that yeah, Boulder oh, would. Oh, I'm sure they do. Um, but you got to make smart choices as a student, right? Is it worth a mm-hmm. hundred, two hundred thousand right. dollars of college debt coming out of CU Boulder yeah. for a sociology degree or a gender studies degree? Probably not. That's mm-hmm. a decision that the student needs to have more responsibility. Likewise, I think there's responsibility, And Shelley. We've talked about this on the part of the of the institutions, right? CU Boulder—they don't care if you're coming in and getting a mechanical engineering. They Degree or gender studies. It's the same cost to them. To them. So we talk about skin in the game, which I think is important for students, but it's equally important on the institutional side. And that, that is a big change, I think, in how colleges and universities operate. But I think that's a big problem, right? See, you're older. They don't care what you graduate with. They don't care if you're employed in a year, five years, ten and years. And there's nothing about free it doesn't college. doesn't matter to them.
2: Yeah, there's nothing about free college that would uh, ensure that the children or the, um, children or the young adults are actually um, doing what they should be doing, which is learning that particular um, profession or whatever it is.
1: Sure. Well, there's no free college or, uh, <laughs> I, you know, I was asking about free or reduced cost for people who can't afford it but want to go.
2: Yeah, I'm all for free and reduced. I like it.
0: I don't like it. Not if I'm having to pay for it. I don't want to be using my tax dollars to pay for some kid getting a sociology degree up at CU Boulder. That's not something I'm interested in. I I have kind of a libertarian (laughs) viewpoint on that. I think if that individual, be it a student or whomever, they're ultimately getting the benefit of that college degree Mm -hmm. in that example, they need to have skin in the game. They need to bear the brunt of that expense and make sure it makes sense for them (laughs) and that they see the value in it. I think you make it free it completely eliminates the value, so to speak, yeah, of it students' away. efforts, and yeah. so that's what I worry about. Sure.
1: All of us sitting here at the table had a much easier time than kids do today on this issue. I worked my way through college, and the cost of CSU, CU was significantly less than it is now. Yeah, it's near impossible now to pay for it yourself, mm-hmm. uh, you know, working a part-time job. I agree. So that's so. Let's you know, just make it free then, right? That's the problem. Well, I was asking if you had any uh, ideas. Yeah,
2: I do. I just gave them to leisure. you. <laughs>
1: Well, I think you said for for the students to call you and you'll help them find resources. I, I, I don't know that those resources are out there.
0: Okay. Yeah, it's a complex issue. The last thing I would say, and just to pick on Elizabeth Warren, since she's one of the front runners of the uh, Democratic race for 2020 on the presidential side, uh, her own self published tax return. She brought home $400,000 from yeah. Harvard as yeah. a professor last yeah. year. Now, Harvard's private. I yeah. get it. It's an elite, you know, Ivy League kind of place. Yeah. But when you're paying professors um, potentially several hundred thousand dollars a year, mm-hmm. or when you're the University of Michigan, so University of Michigan, like most schools, they're really focused on diversity. Sure. and inclusion and safe spaces and all sure. that stuff that Casper and I probably think are nonsense, mm-hmm. they have a 100 full-time diversity officers at University of Michigan, 100 yeah. 100- Full time, total cost of that staff mm-hmm. as you think about salaries and benefits and vacation days, mm-hmm. uh, office space, all those yeah. different things, eleven million dollars a year to oh, support yeah. a staff of a hundred diversity offers. Oh yeah, does University of Michigan need a hundred diversity offers? Do students and their parents they need do. to be paying tuition? They, they got some needy. That?
2: They got needy kids there. <laughs> I guess so. Those kids but, are just jacked up, <laughs> and their parents jacked them up. I so. guess
0: so. I'm not going <laughs> to denigrate all University of Michigan students, but I think that's another element as well, right? It's a yeah. complex and, issue. And, there. There needs to be ownership on all let, sides of it. Let like,
2: me just say this, Shelly. I, Shelly. So so Master's Apprentice, by the way, is free to the, to, to the youth. Um, and they get a stipend when they go to this, right? So, so I do believe in uh, um, resources being made available. But these kids have skin in the game, okay? They're not just... Going there just to get a degree so they can say, "Hey, mom and dad, I got a degree." Their in their end game is to have a good paying job so they can support their families, right? So, so I am for those type of things. I am not just for a blanket, just you know, pay their way into that now, without the skin in the game.
1: That end game is exactly the type of uh, student that I'm referring to. Some again, someone who really wants to go to school but can't afford it. I think that we want as Americans, we want more people to go to college. We want to be a more educated country, and to suggest that. that that's not an important thing I think is wrong.
2: I have never said that college is not important. And one day I'm going to make sure I get another degree. But in the meantime, I want to make sure that I'm not so uh, um, interested in kids just going to college. I want them to go to, to learn a specific college, uh, um, have a specific degree if that's what their purpose is. But I don't want them to just to go willy-nilly into, into college just because society says it's a good thing to do because society is wrong sometimes. We don't want to just force kids into that. I want to make sure they're going into the right profession, into one that's really, they're passionate about
0: that's what they want too
2: okay good we're on the same page
0: all right casper next topic thanks yes. for hanging in here with us yep. uh let's move on to gun violence so this is another complex issue like many of those which we've already talked about today um i'd like to focus our conversation on two elements okay. of the topic yeah. uh, red flag laws and expanding background checks both of which have been in the news since the most recent tragic shootings mm-hmm. in el paso and dayton and then obviously we had the stem highlands ranch shooting uh, earlier this summer here sure. in our district uh, let me set up both topics very quickly for our listeners. So our Colorado listeners already know that our state passed a new red flag law earlier this year that'll take effect uh, January 1st, 2020. Shelley and I did a full episode on this topic with guest Laura Carno. Uh, I'd encourage our listeners to check it out if they want more details and perhaps we'll get into right now. Many other states also already have red flag laws, and the, and the conversation right now at the national level has been whether or not to create a federal version of that. Yeah. Now, background checks, including this concept of, quote, universal background checks, is another possible solution that often Comes up, especially after mass shootings. Many states already have universal background checks, including Colorado. We passed them in 2013. Mm-hmm. In the aftermath of the Texas and Ohio shootings, Trump, Mitch McConnell, several, several other high-profile Republicans have voiced support for, quote, expanding background checks. However, as always, the devil's in the details in terms of what that actually means and what it would accomplish. So, Casper, as we start to think about gun violence, uh, let's start off. I'm interested to know from you, do you support red flag laws and universal background checks on a federal level?
2: So, no. And I'll tell you why. The red flag law that we passed here in Colorado is short on due process. There's very little due process in that. In fact, if somebody comes, if somebody reports me because they say, you know, Casper's little. His posts on Facebook. Have you seen that post? That's a little jacked up. And he has a gun, by the way. So they're gonna come to the door, take my gun, and I have to go down to court and prove that I'm not crazy. <laughs> That's not how our country works. Okay, um, I'm a law. And your by- gun
0: is taken away.
2: Oh yeah. Exactly. Actually, I have to
1: correct you. That's not what the law says. The law says that that person has to go into court and prove that you are an imminent risk of hurting someone and they have to show their evidence in court for, for your gun to get
0: taken away.
2: Uh, you're no. correct
0: so the legal standard in colorado and this is what we talked about with laura okay. Do you know laura yes yeah, Love laura. she's Love great Lo- so we had a good conversation about this yeah. in depth Love her. Love her. and Shelley is correct the the legal standard i think it was preponderance of the evidence which legally is i think stronger so, than some other states
2: so we already have the law that says someone can um have you looked at if they think that you are um a
0: danger
1: um, a danger you mean yourself. a seventy two hour mental health hold? Yeah. Yeah, that and that has nothing to do though with their guns.
2: I know. I know it doesn't, but but I'm saying we already have that. By them saying that um, we think Casper is a threat to himself and others, and somebody just reporting that. And now
1: it's not reporting. They have to go to court and show that you're an imminent threat.
2: And how do they do that?
1: With evidence. They may have what had evidence? an experience with you, they may you may have made Facebook a posts. You may have written something down. These laws all over the country now have stopped multiple mass shootings because people have reported others who students and whatnot school shootings where someone has posted or threatened or made a serious. You know, it's it's up to the judge, but they have to the show less. that there's a serious and imminent threat. These laws have prevented multiple mass shootings. Which mass shootings have they prevented? You're basically proving a negative. Because if you listen to Same law one. enforcement, there's articles on this. If you listen to law enforcement, they've said, okay, well, we we took away someone's guns today who had threatened to shoot up a school. You know, you're was, right. Do I have a crystal ball and know that that person was going to or not? No, and was, I'm really glad that they were able to take away his gun before we there found was a out. Guy, no, I there agree. was a
2: guy just just recently, a couple of days ago, there was a guy that had a, he had... Um, multiple weapons he had grenades he had uh, um he had body armor and stuff like that they had a report about him somebody turned him in they went to his home and he had all this stuff and he had uh, information that said he was he was about to i think he worked for post office or something um and it was an imminent threat right um we don't need a red flag law to know that's an imminent threat. I mean, it, there was plenty of of evidence that showed that this individual was a danger to himself and others. In that case, absolutely. But we don't need a new law for that. That's them doing their job. That's what they, they've done for, for decades. They've done this since beginning of time. You don't need a red flag law to know that Casper's in danger because of all this stuff is
1: evidence we do need more laws on this other developed countries have more laws on this and they have way way fewer gun deaths than we do the united states gun homicide rate is 25 that times that of other high-income countries okay so let's We've focus on the bad on guys. That. there's there's another um study that's posted on red mom blue mom and our in our red flag episode where there's a review of 130 studies in 10 countries. Those studies found that legal restrictions on owning and purchasing guns tended to be followed by a drop in gun violence. So, it, it, again, it's absurd how easy it is here what, to buy you know, an assault rifle.
2: The last few shootings that we've had, there have been multiple people who have reported things that were not followed through with. You don't have to have a red flag law for that. That's just good police work. Okay, if somebody reports something, you know they have tip lines and all this stuff going on. But those people fell through the cracks. The guy in Dayton, I believe, there he was writing stuff. There's all kinds of yeah, information. He had
0: kill lists. It, and yeah, all it doesn't matter if you have so. a.
2: You don't need a red flag law to make sure that that guy is.
1: Um, Actually, there's nothing is detained. you can do. I mean, I've had it. I've seen it happen here in in Colorado. If someone is has made a threat to, um, I was I was part of a case. Someone made a threat to purchase. Said I have just purchased. Body armor and a, uh, a semi-automatic assault rifle, and mm-hmm. rifle, and I'm going to kill these particular people. Mm-hmm. He was also mentally unstable. Mm-hmm. All of the signs. Um, before Colorado's red flag law, there's no way to go take away his guns. There was, I was told well, by the police that there's no way. I don't to want even, his. Gu-
2: I don't to look, even see
1: if he had purchased his gun. A,
2: his gun, a gun. is a, is an inanimate object. Okay, if he can, if you take away his gun, then he can get hop in his car and run into a crowd of people. I, I don't. I'm not focused on the object. I'm focused on the individual. The individual is the problem, not the object. There are a lot of people that own guns. There are millions and ten hundreds of millions of guns out there. The guns are not the problem. If the individual is, is suspect to the level that you're talking about, taking away their gun does nothing. To stop the problem, because the problem is I the disagree. individual. it's well, it I can it, stop
1: a mass shooting, and I think it's well,
2: so no, no, stubborn. it stops it stops a mass shooting, but it doesn't stop that individual from getting in their car and causing just as much damage. It doesn't stop the individual from putting together a a, a makeshift bomb and blowing up people. It doesn't stop stop that individual from doing harm to other people. If they're going to cause harm to where their gun is the problem, then they can use any other thing. To right. hurt someone. And
1: I and I know Caitlin agrees with you. We've had this discussion, but um, that's the what I think the age old argument that, oh, it's not the gun, it's it's the person. It is. Um, you know, one thing all of these tragedies have in common. Okay, is so when, the gun. It is the when gun. When we have
2: epidemic of knives and bat um, um, killings. So now we're going to have a red flag law for bats and knives. Well, why
1: don't we see if that happens because
2: it's happening in in I mean, uh in up the in a UK a, right I'm now. i
1: in a country where It's
2: it's happening in the UK right now, you know that. And the mayor of uh, London and the and the um and the politicians, they want to have a knife ban. A certain size, you got to, you know you can't have a machete. Why Why does the average person need a machete? Come on.
1: Well, the United <laughs> States is the only country, Casper, where we have the, the number and the amount, the outstanding amount, much outstanding, higher than any other country in the world by far
2: Absolutely. of
1: gun violence. And it's because of guns. It's oh, not, it's, I thought
2: it, you were going to say something else. Sorry. It,
1: it's because <laughs> of guns. So Caitlin's question actually puts you in a tough spot because I don't think there's any way to place both of us at the same time on this issue. And I think it's... Uh, safe to say that Caitlin won't vote for someone who is going to propose serious gun legislation, whereas after Sandy Hook mm-hmm. um, and, and multiple mass shootings that have taken place since then, I swore I wouldn't vote for anyone who would not actively support no, I get uh, that. proposed gun control like an assault weapon ban or licensing requirements. I think the red flag laws Are the most innocuous, harmless. They are full of due process. It's a
2: slippery slope and dangerous, in my opinion. Now, um, you know, (laughs) you mentioned assault weapons, and um, Jason Crow has has a new term now. He calls them weapons of war. They are weapons of war. He used them in Iraq and Afghanistan. Oh, my God. If I've heard anybody,
1: a lot of veterans say that.
2: Yeah. Okay. Well, um, Such nonsense. He, it's nonsense. It's absolute nonsense.
1: Why is that nonsense? Uh, well,
2: because first of all, um, I guess he was okay using those weapons of war to shoot brown people over there, but not over here. I mean, what's, to, what's the the He's saying that,
1: it, that they're okay. weapons of war and that civilians should have them. They are rifles. here we are, Casper. We, ha- we are afraid. Our kids Child- had a lockdown drill today at school. Let me mm. just finish this. Okay. We have neighbors and and friends and community members who are all affected by people dying mm-hmm. at schools, concerts, festivals, movies, dance clubs. And this is the only place in the world where that is happening to this degree, in not addition true. to not true. non-mass shootings and a massive number of gun violence you know, in this I, country. Not true. I can
2: show you statistics to where we are like number 20 on the list of mass shootings and, and, and violence and all, all that stuff on the That's list. absurd. Right. That's not true. Okay. Well, I, I can show you. I can't show you right now because I don't have it pulled up. We, but millions of Americans around the nation, including myself, I own weapons. Okay. They're not weapons of war. They're weapons to protect my family and myself against an intruder into my home. Uh, I don't hunt, you know, so I'm not a hunter, but, um, I don't own a weapon of war to protect my family. I own a rifle or a pistol. What they do is they they add these terms in there to make it, Oh my God, this is horrible. No, it's a rifle or a pistol. Semi-automatic. We don't have automatic weapons. Some military units. Have automatic weapons now, right. now And they used to been... be,
1: the, the, those were banned at a certain right. point exactly. too. And, exactly. and I'm assuming you were okay with those being banned. The, the guns we're talking about here and that Jason Crow is talking about are rifles that are used in the military and that are like weapons that are used in the military no. and that so, are designed to fire multiple times quickly with hundreds, you know, dozens of rounds of ammunition. Okay. So And those are the same weapons that are killing lots of people. So we can say here, I think it's a waste of time to talk about, you know, to try to define a semi-automatic weapon that should be banned. I don't think it's a waste of time at all. I'd like Congress to look at it. I don't think it's a waste of time at all. And and decide which semi-automatic weapons should be banned. But there's one thing that all these shootings have in common,
0: and that is these type of semi-automatic rifles. So I have to chime in here because I agree with you, Casper. I think it is very important to understand exactly what we're talking about. In your description just now, Shelley, about there are these weapons out there like an AR-15 or other semi-automatic rifles that can shoot multiple rounds – Incorrect. Semi-automatic rifle, semi-automatic handgun, one round in the chamber... One bullet is f- fired with every shot. Now you may have a magazine. Every, trigger, trigger, every pull. trigger pull. Sorry, you may have a magazine. Although here in Colorado we've banned high-capacity magazines, which we mm. can talk about as well. You may have a magazine that you can put into that gun that will provide for five, ten rounds. I think the max here in Colorado is ten. I may be mistaken. But this idea and this misinformation that I think many on the left—and I get it—it's an emotional issue. Yeah. My kids, we, our kids yeah. go to the same school. They did do a lockdown drill today. Yeah. I've sat in one of those lockdown drills. It yeah. brings me to tears. It's, yeah. it's scary. Yeah.
1: I'm I'm not offended by the gun ownership itself in this country. I'm offended
0: that how easy it is to go purchase one.
2: No, it's not. You can't. It's,
0: it's not. not easy. We not, have universal background yeah. checks in Colorado. In Colorado. So Colorado, a yeah. background check, which every state has in the country, requires a federally licensed firearm deal. Doesn't matter if it's Walmart, yeah. Shelly's Gun Emporium. Yeah. Obviously, I'm joking. Uh, doesn't matter. Every every person that buys a gun, a gun show. People always on the left talk about these yeah. gun show loopholes, yeah. internet loopholes. It's mm. bogus. Yeah. If you if you are can. a federally licensed dealer, you have to do a background check that goes into the FBI database, the NICS system, what have you. Yeah. Now, that system is broken, right? We've seen oh, yeah. that happen where oh, yeah. records aren't yeah. shared and, and sure. people that should be flagged aren't flagged. So that's sure. a separate issue. Sure. What Colorado has done and some other states is actually taken it a step further to implement what the left calls universal background checks. That means it doesn't matter if you actually go to a federal licensed dealer. Even if I want to give my gun to Casper yeah. and we have some sort of arrangement, whatever yeah. that might be, either cash or something in kind. Mind, I have to do a background check on Casper yeah, as yeah. a private citizen. I think that's the right thing
1: because otherwise a background check is meaningless. I, I mean, don't. these things we're talking about, universal background I'm, checks and red flag laws, yeah. are...
2: Common sense, gun rights. Well, gun they're regulation. actually
1: supported by an overwhelming majority of our country.
2: And I'm okay with... I'm, I'm sitting okay here with, with two
1: people who don't agree with Well, them, no, no. I'm, but
2: the, I'm okay with, with um, common sense gun regulations. I think we like can take... I'm okay with having... Um, concealed carry license okay i had to get a license
1: but not a license for for a non-concealed carry not a license to purchase an ar-15 you Anyone can't one should be able you got to get a license to drive a car you've got to get a license to do a lot of things but you shouldn't have to get a license to purchase a weapon that can kill 50
0: people okay in now hold on
2: so, so so i want to come back to that because um, you keep you and and jason crow are very similar in your terminology okay um in the military, some military units have automatic weapons. These on first I understand for, on, we're
1: talking about semi-automatic okay, weapons. Okay, now,
2: a semi-automatic weapon means you pull the trigger it fires. You pull the trigger again, it fires. My pistol, my rifle, all those things are semi-automatic weapons. They're not weapons of war, they're just semi-automatic weapons. Right. A pistol is the same. I can do just as much damage with a pistol as I can a rifle. So now you want to ban pistols now because be, because of weapons of no, war? No, I want
1: to ban semi-automatic assault rifles. There is no such high thing. Capacity. There's no
2: such thing as a semi-automatic assault rifle. A rifle is a rifle. If it shoots, what do it you does mean, there's
0: no such thing? There's no such how, how to... do you define a semi automatic assault rifle? What does that mean to you? Well, like you just said, one one trigger
1: pull per bullet, the ones that have been used in mass shootings have been able to help, you know, hold multiple rounds of ammunition. Okay, well that, that's pretty standard. But so does my pistol. Right.
2: So so my pistol can shoot just as fast as what you're calling a semi-automatic assault rifle.
1: Well, I think there should be a licensing requirement for you to go buy that and for a 19-year-old boy to go buy that. But so you're thinking mm-hmm. but there about
0: there should be. No, should not. not So in sure, my own. you're thinking about licensing like a driver's license, right? And that's always yes. the example that's given on the yeah. left that we have to apply for a driver's license yeah. now, taking yeah. aside the constitutionality right. element of that. Yeah. Here's the thing with a with a licensing structure, it creates a national gun registry. That's not constitutional. I don't want, I don't think. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Why is it constitutional for the government to know what kind of guns I have, how many mm -hmm. guns I have?
1: Why is that constitutional? Because the Second Amendment has never been found to prohibit reasonable gun restrictions. You can have a handgun in your house to protect your house. The Second Amendment has been held to provide for that. But the Second Amendment doesn't provide for an unlimited, unrestricted right to purchase guns that people on the right are saying that
0: it does. That's not exactly keep correct. Keeping bear, right? bear means so, keeping
2: and bear and there's no number to it. There's no, there's no, okay, you can only keep and bear 10.
0: Well, even so, let's talk about the Heller decision, right? So Heller is the big gun decision that I know a lot of people on the right and left quote The Heller decision held that the Second Amendment protects an individual right to possess a firearm, not handgun, firearm, unconnected with service in the militia, and to use that arm for traditionally lawful purposes, such as self-defense within the home. I am not aware of anything in Heller or anything in the Constitution that says you can only have so many guns, that says you have to have your name recorded on the National Gun Registry. Those things are beyond the scope of what's been decided by the Supreme Court, at least, in the Heller decision around gun ownership. Do you know something different that I'm not aware of? The
1: Heller decision, the way I read it, and just the intro paragraph that you're looking at there, it deals with, uh, I'm sorry,
0: handguns and protecting a home. So no, It doesn't there's been, say handguns. So. There's, I the believe it does. Doesn't. The original case was around a D.C. cop who who was wanting to have a handgun in his home for protection. Uh-huh. But the decision so, by the court was so commonly I, used firearms. So I would argue
1: that that decision, all it did was protect constitutionally the right to have a handgun to protect yourself. What I'm talking about is the rights of the rest of us to go to a movie theater, to go to a school, to go to a concert without worrying about being blown away and to send our kids off mm-hmm. to these places without yeah. worrying about it. Yeah. And so and the I want to go accomplish that. And I want to go to that, that same place and, that and be safe tried, as well. <laughs> and that the way to accomplish that, that we've never tried that we've never gotten serious because of these arguments that you two are making. We've never gotten serious about gun legislation, you know, whether it's a, a registration, a licensing, a, um, a ban. I think there should be a ban on assault, on assault weapons. Mm -hmm. And what we've sacrificed with these arguments is thousands of lives more than any other country in the world by far. Not true. It is true. true,
2: No, please – Please, you ladies are doing a f- fantastic job of researching and stuff. Please look that up because that is not true. If
1: you look at our mm. last episode on on this issue, the red flag laws, we posted several articles online. Both Caitlin and I did to support our points. If you look at any of the charts, any of the numbers on this issue, the United States is off the charts with gun deaths compared to any other country. So, and it is okay. about the gun. It's not about anything else. Let's we try have this. More gun ownership than anywhere else. That's as far
2: true as well. That part is true. That's what I was agreeing to the first. Time. We definitely have more gun ownership and i'm actually excited about that (laughs) okay but i'm not excited about anybody being harmed by a gun a knife a bat a stick let's try this there are many many deaths happening in the inner city black on black crime that happens almost every weekend in the inner city now what are we doing to address that we're not doing anything matter of fact we don't even mention it Okay, it hasn't even come up in this conversation until now. So, hold on.
1: Well, actually, the, what I'm talking about is not just mass shootings. I'm talking what? about the number of gun deaths in the yeah,
2: country, okay. including those. Okay, so, um, and if you add those in, okay, that's probably true. Now, if there was a way to remove guns from criminals, then I'd kind of be excited about that but nobody's ever talking about that what you want to do is take away my gun rights okay I want
1: so to make it harder to purchase guns, guns i get i get gun that I are now the second leading cause of death for I get that, but, in this
2: country but how do you take the guns away from criminals they're not going to obey the law even if you pass that law red flag law whatever you pass a law and says all guns are illegal no more guns period these law abiding citizens like myself in order for me to operate As a law-abiding citizen, I'm going to have to give up my gun. Okay? Now, how do you take the gun away from criminals?
1: All you have to do is look at any number of other developed countries where they have gun restrictions, like our country. Okay. And you see a massively smaller number of gun deaths. It's being done everywhere else but here. That's not what I I asked. That's
2: not what I asked. How do you take the guns away from criminals? Because in those countries you just mentioned, guess what? There are still people who get shot.
1: What I want to start with is making it harder to purchase a gun here.
2: Okay. So where we should start, if you're concerned about gun violence and the numbers that you mentioned, right, because the majority of the gun violence is happening from criminal to criminal. So if you're really serious about gun um, violence, then we should start with the criminals and then work your way to Casper after you get all the criminals away. I might even be okay with giving up my gun if all the criminals don't have guns, but right now they have way more guns than I have. And I'm not, I'm not comfortable with being in my home and, and and have my family unprotected because you aren't comfortable with me having a gun.
1: It's interfering on my right to go to a mm-hmm. public place without fear. I
2: have never interfered on your right, Shelley. I will never having interfere on your having a handgun
1: in your home is not what I'm talking about. Purchasing a, an assault weapon with the capacity. No such
2: to, thing as assault weapon.
1: Okay, that's a common term that a lot I
2: know it's it's a, it's that's a, a that's very a common term, was. and now it's weapons so. of war. He's scaring me with that. I'm really scared about those weapons of war.
1: Purchasing an assault weapon so easily, a young person, and and the amount of ammunition that's involved in that is shouldn't be so easy. I agree. A lot of the deaths we're talking about, a lot of the other deaths besides mass shootings, are also
0: caused by legally purchased guns. Well, I don't know if that's correct. So, Department of Justice Mm -hmm. released a report in January of 2019. Uh, surveying prison inmates who were uh, incarcerated with a firearm involved in a crime, more than 90% did not obtain that gun through a retail source. So no. the opportunity to do a background check. These folks, you know, we have it's- 52 people that were killed in Chicago the first weekend of June. Yeah the same amount, I think, roughly as all of the mass shootings. Today. I'm not trying to minimize yeah, those, yeah. but it's the same number of people. And I agree with you, Casper. It feels like there is not as much outrage on what is happening in our inner cities. Those guns are not being purchased through legal means with a background check. And and to yeah. Casper's point, if you can get rid of all the criminals' guns, if you can get rid of all the guns on the street, then I'm happy to talk about getting rid of my legally owned yep. firearms when yep. I'm a law abiding firearm yep. owner. But until saying- then, I'm not willing to, to sacrifice my safety for yeah.
2: that. i was saying shoulder to shoulder with jason crowe any other democrat if they are focused on getting criminal weapons away from the criminals i stand shoulder to shoulder with them but just just to say we need to get rid of all guns what well, sounds great in theory but in fact you're not going to get rid of the guns from the criminals and they're the ones i'm afraid of
0: I do think we all agree, though, and I don't know what the solution is, but Shelley, I think you agree with this, too, that the current system of background checks and the fact that it seems like some of our systems, our justice systems, aren't talking to each other and they're allowing people like the Dayton shooter or Mm -hmm. others who have mental health issues, who have perhaps been involved with the justice system, maybe Mm -hmm. they've been involved as a juvenile, what have you. Mm Those systems need to be fixed. Yeah. That NICS system needs to be fixed. I think Trump yeah. has been proposing some legislation about that. I don't know how much mm-hmm. coverage it's gotten. I don't know the details there. But yeah. that system needs to work better because that's how we're going to prevent yeah. some of those 19, 20-year-old young men, I think, Shelley, that, that you're particularly worried about. And I get it. How do, we, how do we make the system work so that if they are trying to purchase a gun legally, which I agree many of them do, that we're stopping that from happening? It yeah. may not ultimately stop the shooting or the violence yeah. that, they're, that they're committed to doing, but that system needs to work better, I think.
2: Yeah. In England... Um, well,
0: one of the ways would be red flag laws.
2: Mm. The, I don't think we need a new law. It's not, it's not a question of a new law. It's a question of enforcing the laws we have. By the way, we're not enforcing the laws we currently have. Even in Colorado, George Brocklin was just on the radio a week or two ago talking about the fact there's all kinds of loopholes In the current laws that we have, we're not enforcing those. So now you want the government to create another law, and they're not even enforcing the ones that we currently have.
1: It's worked all over the world. We're the only country that's engaging in this experiment. I think it's a tragedy. Experiment meaning the Second Amendment? Experiment meaning interpreting the Second Amendment
0: to mean (laughs) that anyone can buy any kind of gun.
2: We're the only ones that have the Second Amendment. We're That's the only true. country have it.
0: Uh, Yeah, you can't buy any That's type true. of gun anytime mm-hmm. without any restriction. But no, you
2: But
1: let's can't. leave that as it is. Other developed countries have more laws on this, and they have way, way fewer um, gun deaths than we do. The United States gun homicide rate is 25 that times that of other high-income countries. But like, Why
2: would we not focus on the biggest part of that problem, not the smallest part of the problem? You know, it's like... Uh, um, I can't think of a good example There are, right are now.
1: more guns here than people. That's
2: no, no, the biggest no, 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 no. I'm talking about, you said gun violence and deaths and everything else, right? In our country, it's, it's worse than every other country on, on the face of the earth, right? But if you take out the 80% or 90% of the gun violence that's actually happening in the inner city, what does that percentage look like after that? So why not focus on the 80%?
1: Oh, I'm focused on that, too. Like I say, it's the second leading cause of death amongst children in this country. Okay,
2: so let's it's focus on violence. that. Let's focus on that. And, and you don't focus on that by taking away legal guns. You focus on that by taking away, uh, if, if you're going to address the issue, you focus on, on the criminals.
1: And, and, and I'm not suggesting taking away guns. I'm suggesting um it hard to get them. Law, making it harder to get mm. them, okay. licensing, registration, and banning uh, the purchase and yeah, sale those, of sun guns. Those guns, that look, guns. look
2: really scary. As for
1: our last question today has to do with um, religion and gay rights. Mm -hmm. You mentioned in your introduction that you're a Christian constitutionalist. Mm -hmm. Um, Caitlin and I recently had an episode where we discussed gay rights. Mm -hmm. We agree that gay people should not be discriminated against. Mm -hmm. We differ in that as a conservative, Caitlin doesn't think that rights against discrimination are more important than religious freedom, whereas I support prohibition on discrimination over religious freedom to the extent that religion causes some people to discriminate against the lgbtq community now i know you're both a conservative and active in your church and um, religious pursuits so i wanted to see where you stand on this particular red mom blue mom sure. disagreement. well
2: let's use a specific case to help you with this so um jack's um
0: jack phillips
2: jack phillips right so i know jack personally um i've been to his shop and he did not discriminate against those two gentlemen. What happened was they had been coming to that shop over and over again buying stuff. No problem. What they wanted Jack to do, because he, he he's master his master I mean he really puts his artwork into these these things. They wanted him to make a special cake for their wedding that he did not agree with. So he said no. And that's when everything all blew up. So he didn't discriminate against them for saying that because they were gay. He said, "I, I don't, I don't want to make a cake. I don't want to make that cake." So he should have the right to not make that cake. But he never stopped them from coming into his, his shop and buying stuff. Now, if he said, "You can't come in here because you're gay," now I got a problem with Jack. But he never did that. So I have a problem with people discriminating against gay people or straight people, or black people, or white people, or any people. But I also believe that I should not be forced to do something that violates my religious beliefs.
1: How about being fired because you're gay?
2: Each situation is different. There should never be a blanket policy on this because there are so many different factors that go into this. The
1: blanket policy I'm suggesting is that gay people or the LGBTQ community be added to the list of um, Of, um, other protected classes. Protected classes, no. No, absolutely not. Why not? No,
2: because they have the same rights I have as 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 a human being. Just because you you um, have a different sexual preference should not give you extra rights.
1: But how about the color of your skin?
2: No extra rights.
1: No, but I'm not talking about not even for me. I'm talking about the same rights. So the right rights to enjoy public accommodations to not be fired because of your. Um, Your race, your religion,
2: your
1: your national origin. If it's proven that they were fired because they
2: were gay, discriminated against, you know, I mean, come on. Come on what?
1: What? Uh, Should it be prohibited or not?
2: Is that like a, a rampant thing that's happening across America that's happening, you know, gay people being uh, gay fired? Gay people have
1: been discriminated against, yes. I know a
2: lot of gay people who make a lot way. of money and own businesses, and they discriminate against straight people. So should they should it not be discriminating against straight people?
1: Okay, but maybe you could answer my question. Yourself. And they make a lot of money. Gay so people are very it's well. It's against the people. law to discriminate against someone, prohibit them from coming in your establishment or from uh, getting offering them medical services or for ha- f- firing them from a job, the Constitution has been interpreted to mean that if you're discriminated against because of your race, religion, political affiliation, national origin... Not political affiliation. That that's, They've been
2: discriminated against me as a, a Christian conservative my entire
1: life. But with public accommodations, the, <laughs> the Constitution, you'd agree, says that you are not to be discriminated against. But, but they, do it, Shelley, they do it, Shelley. they do it. My question to you is... My question to you is: Should sexual orientation be added to that list?
2: I don't think so. I think it's. I think it's. Um, I think it's used right now as a political uh, um, tool. I think that um, what's happening is we have allowed um, the politics of it to be interjected into every aspect of our life. So right now, gays are the next victim. Now, if they get attacked. And beat up on the street. There are laws that say you can't beat people up on the street. I don't care what, what their, their thing is. Now, if I have a mega hat walking down the street, guess what? I get attacked for the mega hat. If I'm black, it's probably okay. But if I put a mega hat on, that's a problem. So we don't need a special law that says Casper can't, a special law that says Casper can walk down the street with a mega hat and not be attacked. We don't need that law. We already have laws that say you cannot be harassed, you cannot be harmed, you cannot be shot, you cannot be stabbed, you cannot be abused. We already have those laws. So we don't need any extra laws for that.
1: We don't have a, we don't have a federal law that says you can't be discriminated against but on the basis of your sexual orientation.
2: And we don't need us. Uh, that's what I'm saying. See, see, they've politicized this whole thing.
1: Well, if you're an LGBTQ person and you've experienced a lot of discrimination, I'm sure they would, you know, someone would disagree with you. Your argument is the same one that was made, you know, in the civil rights movement in terms of why the civil rights laws that we're talking about were. were, We uh, need
2: laws that say if you if you want to harm Casper, you're going to jail. You cannot harm Casper. You cannot harm Shelley.
1: But can you I, discriminate against Casper? Can you be allowed to sit at the same lunch counter?
2: Shelly, I've been discriminated because I'm conservative. Do you understand what you're saying? Okay, so now we got to have a law that says so cons- you can't discriminate.
1: you'd roll back all the civil rights protections.
2: No, what I'm saying is that we have, we have turned this into a, a, a debacle. This is crazy. If I'm, As long as I'm a Democrat black, I'm okay. But as soon as I become a conservative, I'm a problem.
1: What you're saying is it's okay to discriminate in public accommodations against someone based on no. their sexual orientation.
2: No, that's not what I'm saying. You'll never hear well, me say that. Well you're saying that I'm saying we have, a we have
1: laws that We have
2: laws that protect that already.
1: No, we don't. Not on a federal level. Some states do. But Shelley, you think <clears throat> Jack Phillips should have been forced to bake that wedding cake. Yeah, I, th- I think that it all goes to the def- definition of public accommodation. Whether it's a wedding cake or the more probably more problematic examples are denying medical service or denying uh Should I? someone a seat at a public accommodation or a hotel. The same stuff that went on in the civil rights movement, gays have been discriminated against.
0: And I it's think scary. that's the nuance for me where yeah. I disagree is I think to answer your question around should we allow someone who is gay at work to be fired because they're gay? I think absolutely not. I no. think that's a that's a that's I agree. absolutely not okay. I agree. And it sounds like Casper yeah. agrees with that. I agree. What I think is interesting, and I don't know the right answer here, let's say it's a Catholic school, obviously deeply held religious beliefs, and they have someone who joins their staff and later comes out as gay, and that is in direct conflict with right. the core foundational teachings of that religion. That's a that one gets a little bit stickier for me. I don't know, and that was kind of like you said in the intro. And that's what for I'm me. I have a hard time. What is the priority? Anti discrimination, which I agree, discrimination against anyone is is not good. Right. But I also appreciate, and I'm not particularly religious, but I appreciate many people have deep held religious beliefs. When those things are in conflict, which one rises to the top? Yeah. I'm not sure, Shelley. I think you're very clear on the on the discrimination piece is is the priority for you. Um, but that's where I think the the conversation gets really interesting. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, again, that's the same argument that was
1: made during the civil rights movement. People thought that it was, it was ungodly or against their religion for whites and African Americans to, you know, marry, to sit at the same, in the same restaurants, to integrate in schools. And people thought that was sincerely held religious belief. So, no, I, I never think that the sincerely held religious beliefs should uh, allow for discrimination i always think that the anti-discrimination law should trump that um i think that our, our federal government our, our interpretation of the constitution should include um, the lgbt community in the in the list of of protected categories in terms of discrimination okay
2: if if i as a black person walk into jack shop and he says you can't you can't buy anything in here that's obviously a case of discrimination but if they want him to participate they want him to participate. In their lifestyle. And he said, no, I don't want to do that. But you can buy stuff, stuff here. I'm about... And, and there's plenty of gay bakers around. You don't, He's not the only baker in the world. They knew. See, they targeted Jack for months. This is where this leads to. It leads to this, this really bad place that we have gone to as a society. They are targeting Jack. So that's the problem. Game. It's not good. No, it's not Jack that's the problem. They're targeting him because they know that he is a... Uh, uh, um, he has tightly held religious beliefs.
1: Gay marriage wasn't legal until just recently. That's just one example of you know a multitude of discrimination. And they fought for gay, gay
2: marriage like, and they won,
1: right? And and that's evidence that there's been a ton of discrimination against gay people. And so, okay, um, what you know, your position that they shouldn't shouldn't be on this list of protected classes is, in my view, very similar to the position that was taken by the owner of the lunch counter when when he said i, I don't have to serve anyone this is my private But restaurant, you're
2: you're assuming to serve anyone. So you're assuming that the law fixes the problem. And the law never fixes the problem. The thing that 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 the civil
1: rights movement <clears throat> made some things better. No. Some The law
2: didn't, no, it didn't. It didn't. It didn't. Over time society changes. So black people are, are, are actually no better off than they were a long time ago they're still they're still in bondage they're still complaining they're still victims they're still problems the same problems they had in the 60s and 70s they still got the same problems and the law has been in place so the law is not going to fix it it's a mindset right i grew up in that
1: part of the mindset is acknowledging the i grew discrimination, up in that. you know so. i don't
2: care if you acknowledge me or not give you knowledge of discrimination it doesn't matter it doesn't change because of their mindset see i'm an american citizen my point is is if i can stop by a cop i'm not going to say Okay, can't please you stop me because i'm black." but that's how i do you better have a really good reason to stop me, okay i'm not going to get upset i'm going to follow instructions because i want to live they have more guns than i have and they can call for backup Okay, so I'm going to let him do, her or him, or do whatever they're going to do. Give me a ticket, whatever. And if they want to arrest me, I'm going to let them arrest me. And then we're going to have the fight in court. That's what Americans do. We fight it out in court, not on the street. It, the so, ble- it
1: sounds like you're, you're saying that you don't think that police brutality in the African, <clears throat> African-American community is a problem, is a real problem. Oh, it
2: exists, but it's not the problem that, in the African. It's not the problem. It exists in all communities if you are a, a very uh, um, aggressive young white male you have just as much chance of getting shot by a cop just as much chance
1: I don't think that's true I know it's true
2: well, I think there, now
1: there are a lot of African- American mothers out there who, who, who think their their kids may have a higher risk of getting shot and I think they have I a know they
2: do that's my point they
1: have a reason to think that no
2: yeah they have a reason to think it because that's been drilled into them by progressive liberals you have you have drilled that into their head that they are victims. So you,
1: you don't think the police ever have a bias with of
2: course they do race. everybody has a bias you have a bias i, I have know. a bias. we all have a bias
1: so you don't think that that bias might cause uh yes a, it could sometimes it could sort of treat someone differently because yes they color their skin.
2: yes it could but it's not that big of a problem it is a problem there are bad cops there are bad lawyers there are a ton of bad people but that is not a major problem in the black community. There are far more blacks being shot by gang members in the black community. In Aurora, we may have, now, I'm not saying any shooting's good. I'm just saying in Aurora, we might have one or two shootings by a cop a year. But there are dozens of shootings happening in Aurora by non-cops. But they arrest people all the time. They pull people over all the time and give them tickets. Black, white, Hispanic, whatever. They're not just uh, um, targeting young blacks on the street and shooting them dead on the street just by targeting it. Yes, it's a problem. But it's not the problem. The problem is the mindset of the blacks in the community. The, mi- the problem is we're teaching our youth to be vic- to be victims. So naturally, when you see a cop, you're going to treat that cop like he's the enemy.
1: You're saying that the discrimination is not the big problem. A big problem is the mindset. It's not the so biggest problem
2: I, I would get yeah, discrimination is not the biggest problem. Um, the mindset is the problem because what because if you take a, a a black person out of the inner city, you bring them out here to Highlands ranch or where you know out of the in the suburbs, they they thrive and they prosper. they get they have homes I mean you know, it's just a total switch. But if you keep them in the inner city, under that under that mindset that's when they have
0: problems well thank you so much casper we wish you the very best of luck i know the campaign is probably just starting to ramp up and the next again 14 months or so are going to be very intense for you and and others that are in the race uh Mm -hmm. locally and and elsewhere but we wish you the best of luck and thank Thank you you so so much for being here today no thank you casper we uh we hit you with a lot
1: of tough questions because Caitlin and I do that, mm-hmm. and uh, we're very thankful for your time. I, I like tough questions
2: and answers. You them. notice I didn't dodge any of them, I answered it the way the only way I could.
0: Yeah, thanks so much, Casper. All right, thanks everybody. Thanks for listening.